0: Thinking about developing an electronic health record, you may not have that person in the room that's going to say, well, what about maternal health? Or what about women's health? Or what about a module for mammograms? Without that in the room, you're, you're missing these vital pieces to a solution that's supposed to support a population. Diversity in the tech
1: sector is crucial to success and in producing outputs that work for all. But in the health field, that diversity will ultimately save lives and ensure equitable health care for everyone. Unfortunately, the tech sector has historically not been an overly diverse space. While changes have happened and things have improved, it's more important than ever to encourage those changes to keep coming and create more opportunities for adequate representation. That's what Liz Porter, president of the health group at Lydos is working to do. It will
2: be a wonderful day when individuals come to work and can be their true whole selves and not worry about, do I fit in? Do I need to behave a certain way? Do I need to work that much harder mentally than just being themselves? Today, Liz Porter,
1: president of the Lytos Health Group and Kristen Gowers, chief of staff for the Lytos Health Group, joined to talk about why diversity in the tech space is so important. How to create an environment that encourages diversity, their own inspiration for entering the tech field as women, and a lot more. My name is Shantae Newby. This is Mindset, a podcast by Lidos. In this series, our goal is to have you walk away from every episode with a new understanding of the complex and fascinating technological advancement going on at Lidos. From space IT to trusted AI to threat-informed cybersecurity, we've got a lot going on, and we're excited to share it with you. So Liz, let's start with you. What do you do at litos as the president of health?
2: So as the president of litos Health, I lead an amazing organization where we do everything from research, meaning basic clinical and transitional research through to care, delivery, and medical exams, and all of the information technology and mission software and everything in between that really support the healthcare in the United States, specifically for federal customers.
1: What about you, Kristen? What do you do?
0: I do a little bit of everything here. I mainly support Liz and all of her grand ideas to make our organization one of the best and biggest in the healthcare space. What influenced you
1: to pursue a career in technology?
0: So it was sort of accidental, right? So my degree is in psychology, and I just sort of accidentally found out I was good at statistics because I had to take some statistics classes. And I sort of had always avoided math, because I didn't like math, so I stayed away from it. But it turned out, had a sort of a little bit of a knack for it, and it I was like, oh, this isn't bad. And when I was starting to look for jobs, I was sort of looking in something like maybe data analytics, data analysis, something like that. But 15 years ago when I was looking, health IT wasn't really the field it is today. It was, but it wasn't. And so sort of my entry-level data analysis job 15 years ago has become this data enterprise world and the way it has shifted. So it just sort of naturally progressed that way because obviously you can't do data analytics without some sort of health IT, without data management, without all these other components. But if you asked me 15 years ago, do I ever think I was going to work in health IT, be surrounded by engineers and do all this sort of data management and I absolutely would have said no, no way. But the way that it has progressed and the more, the deeper I got into the space, the more I enjoyed it. So I kept going. I kept going and I'm no longer scared of statistics.
1: (laughs) Or we're thankful that you aren't scared of stats anymore. So that's great.
2: What about you, Liz? (laughs) So I wouldn't say moving into this career field was an accident because by the time you actually move into your career field, I was already had gone to engineering school, but what really drove that, what really led me to it is, you know, similar to Kristen, I was good at math and science. I was good at physics. And, you know, it was one of those situations where my mother saw that and could appreciate and was the one that was encouraging for me to pursue an engineering degree, though she was an economics and history major. Because I think some people know that, at the time, I was going to be a rock star, so I wasn't going to go to college, and my mother was the one who made me apply and made me get year deferments so that I could end up going to engineering school, which I'm forever grateful. Don't ever doubt your mother. Your mother knows best. <laughs> but I did. I ended up you know, studying electrical engineering, and it was through that program that I really got interested in various aspects, specifically solar arrays. And that's what led to being a solar array design engineer for satellites. And, you know, from there it was just I kind of laughed that Kristen Thinks of her, doesn't think of herself as an engineer because as she describes it, what she does, it's, that's what engineers do. We solve problems. Here's the problem. Here's how I dissect it and start to solve it. And I don't always have all the answers, so I just figure out who can help me answer it. And just applying that in different ways has always been really exciting. For a long time,
1: men have dominated the tech world. From a young age, boys have been encouraged to follow their interests in math and science, while girls didn't get that same kind of fostering. But fortunately, that's changing. Data from the integrated post-secondary education data system showed that in 2020, women represented 45% of students majoring in STEM fields, up from 40% in 2010 and 34% in 1994. That diversity is important on a lot of levels. Perhaps the most obvious is that it shows girls are being given the opportunity to follow their STEM interests. But there's more to it than just that. I had Liz and Kristen share just why this is so important.
2: Having spent... A lot of time in various technologies, working with various technologies across many different domains and platforms, it really drives home why diversity is so important when you think about health and technology. You know, we're, we're women on this call, and there are women exams that happen, and I sometimes wonder if a woman was involved in the development of a mammogram, because it is not something that is necessarily designed with the user-centric perspective of a woman. And I think, you know, that's true for many different types of technologies and, and having that diverse perspective to understand what it's like to be the person going through the procedure or engaging with the technology versus just trying to get the outcome of the image.
1: So being truly able to think like the end user, the person being impacted by whatever the technology is. Got it. Yes. Okay. Let's dig into the health field, the health tech field. What is unique about the health tech field?
0: So I think what's unique about it is both your end users and the population that you're caring for is 50% women right? And I I don't think there's a lot of other sectors that you can really confidently say it is half the population the way it is for healthcare. And healthcare really does touch everybody. You may, you know, say social media, all these other technologies, sure, they touch everybody, but you can kind of opt in and opt out. Healthcare, you really don't have that ability. So it impacts such a large portion of the population so, with women sort of needing to be part of that representation in leadership roles helps sort of drive how it's going to be used um, for end users, but also how it touches all of us in our everyday life.
2: when I would add to that that again, focusing on broader diversity, not just women but even transgendered women, and thinking about the specific health needs for that population, which again is is somewhat different. And when I look, you know, I've now been in my role for about two and a half years. And when I look at those that are involved um, on the technology side, even in, in the national health systems beyond the federal side, it is heavily male or senior males that are involved in the, the leadership aspects, even as CIOs and other roles. And not having that representation, again, leads to challenges in development and understanding of how to apply that technology.
1: So healthcare is a very tangible field that you all support at Litos in terms of how you reach people. What opportunities does that present in how you think about technology and applying solutions?
0: When you're just thinking about healthcare technology, and if you were to pull women out of the conversation, right, thinking about developing an electronic health record, you may not have that person in the room that's going to say, well, what about maternal health? Or what about women's health? Or what about a module for mammograms? without that in the room you're you're missing these vital pieces to a solution that's supposed to support a population
2: Well, and if I look at it, again, more broadly from both the military and the veteran side, and I think about our interaction with the system. So we are involved in the electronic health record implementation for the Department of Defense. And one of the reasons there was a big push to ensure that that was the same system and record to be used for veterans is because on the on the veteran side they're eligible for disability and other types of pension related to things that happened to them while they were in the military and today imagine an individual has to carry around massive stacks of paper, as you know, Shante, stacks of paper that you can lose some of it and maybe it's not all there. And there are benefits that you are entitled to depending on what happened. And so being able to be involved as that record is being rolled out so that, you know, newborns or individuals that are entering the military today will have a record that is available with all of their information until they retire or they leave the military service and enter into the VA side. And they don't have to worry about carrying around that that data. It really is just that greater impact of what it can mean in the future from a technology side and how Kristen's field of data analytics, how that can be overlaid to help predict and understand and know ahead of time what are the latest, um, what they call presumptives, what are the latest ailments that could be inflicted on a military service member because of some exposure that they had. And so knowing that and being able to lead to almost an automatic claim is really exciting of something that would happen in the future and really something that we're actively involved in and seeing that direct impact.
1: I know it's truly appreciated not having to carry around these binders of paperwork and things like that. I know that for my father, and I have a sister that was in the military, and they have their little folder with, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like if I could scan it all, like, give it to me. I'm going to scan it. <laughs> yes, right. and that's what they end up doing. Yes, yes. I'm all about electronic get rid of that paper. Liz, you were actually going down this street earlier, but what are some of the consequences that come from not having women represented in health technology?
2: I definitely think it's related to the application. There's a a kind of a more technical piece as far as the data and some of the information and ensuring that that's appropriately representative of all diversity. Um, I, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a technical side. So whether it's something like the mammogram, it, would a woman have designed or would a woman come up with a different design related to that technology that would be able to have the same type of outcome? Potentially. But there are even basic interactions and things that happen that when you don't think about what, who it is, you know, I look at something like a clinical trial. Now I'm well more aware of clinical trials than I ever was in my life, as many people probably are now with COVID, but even more so because we do clinical trials within the company. Each individual reacts differently to a drug, to a medicine, and ensuring that you have that diversity so that when they roll out the next. COVID vaccine that is as effective in everyone in the population, not just having a singular lack of diversity in the clinical trials. It's something as simple as that because we are all different. And so how do you capture those differences in the health space? It's really critical because it changes your health outcome.
1: Yeah. And so even like uh, missing representation in the room, like once they're in the room, they You have to be able to listen to them, too, and do something about it, right? They need to feel like their word matters, too. The thing to remember with diversity is that there are layers. It's not enough just to have women in the workforce. They also need to be represented in positions of all levels. Equally important, just having women in the workplace can't be the benchmark for diversity. Diversity is more than just gender. It's race its sexual orientation, its socioeconomic background, physical ability. It's diverse. But back to that first point, having diversity needs to extend to all levels of a workplace. As you know, Liz is the president of the health group at Lidos. I asked her what kind of impact holding that position and responsibility has on influencing and recruiting underrepresented people in the field.
2: I would really hope that we get to a stage where we have enough diversity in leadership across the board, ethnically diverse as well as female, and across all of our employee resource group diversities, right? That individuals see someone in the company that's in a leadership role that they aspire to. And that, in my case, I see it more as, I don't want them just to see me as a woman leader, but I want them to see me as you know, kind of an engineer and... You know, the possibility of what you could do with a technical degree. How does creating
1: equal opportunity across all identities, aside from just gender, impact a diverse environment? So I'm talking about like race, sexual orientation. You mentioned gender identity and expression, physical disabilities. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: It will be a wonderful day when individuals come to work and can be their true whole selves and not worry about, do I fit in? Do I need to behave a certain way? Do I need to work that much harder mentally than just being themselves? People that feel like they are worried about being there themselves authentically are just expending so much energy on something other than being at work and being present. And, you know, I remember that when I first came into this role, I, there was a, a woman that was a black woman who was part of the organization and saw me with my curly hair and was like, hey, I guess I can wear curly hair. And I'm like, of course you can. It's your hair. And you know, yet we take that for granted, right? We take that for granted, Shante. We don't think about what individuals feel like they need to do to fit in, and that comes in many different flavors. And we don't get the most out of the individual that wants to come and fully participate because they they are partially participating because they're partially worried about something else. And so to me, that will be the biggest impact. And that would be the greatest impact to the company because everybody would be there thinking about how do I solve these problems for our customer and not thinking about something that's non productive?
0: To add on that, it's also thinking about growing as an employee. And if all your energy is being spent just trying to fit in, you can't really allow yourself to grow and take advantage of all these programs and how you know the lido's culture and all of this if all your energy is being put into just showing up and trying to look and act like everyone else and not who you are as a person and that's going to lead to burnout and all sorts of other things and we can't grow people if you're just trying to survive
1: yeah. And all that definitely depends a lot on the environment, right? You can tell people to bring their authentic selves to work, but are you ready for them to bring their authentic selves to work? Are you ready for it? Right? Because I know I've seen in, not necessarily in Lidos, but in other organizations, people hear diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they think, oh, we're we're going to take a risk, you know, hiring a, a diverse candidate, a woman, a person of color, you know, or some a sexual and gender minority. So... That mindset has to shift. Like it's not taking a risk, right? You're hiring talent to get the job done and solve those problems. You're hiring talent. So what are some of the ways that Lydos encourages diversity, equity, and inclusion?
2: When I first became part of the new Lidos, I was actually the chair of the Women's Network. The employee resource groups are a great resource to connect like-minded Um, Individuals looking for ways to make, you know, kind of make headway. Talk about the challenges that they're having, and and learn about how they can advance their careers. And now I'm actually the executive sponsor for the Pride Employee Resource Group. And so, particularly in my role now, and when I think about how it applies to the health group, it has really opened my eyes related to not just the challenges that women had that I could understand but now in particular the pride community and the transgendered community and some of the the you know the the issues and challenges that they face and and particularly in the health space it's an evolving area and then also raised my awareness of you know how we can give back to those ERGs I'm also on the board for the Red Cross And there has been a perception in the Pride community related to blood drives and their inability to be able to give blood in certain populations. And so being able to hold a panel with our doctors who were able to talk about medically, why and when certain things can be identified in the blood and why you would not want that to happen, Um, but really to help push the envelope and think about how that applies to the community. Being able to engage with the ERGs, not just have them, but being able to look at how that applies to the work that we do and informs not just how we run the company, but how it impacts the work that we do.
1: It's impacted your perspective significantly because I mean because you mentioned transgender concerns very early in the conversation, right? In addition to what you just shared, how does all this play out in the Lidos health group in regard to like your culture and special initiatives?
0: I could talk about the Lidos culture definitely as a newer employee, right? It hasn't even been a year yet. I mean, Liz spoke about the ERGs, which are more of our formal programs that we have to for diversity and inclusion, but I think just the general culture here I mean never once have I felt like I couldn't just email somebody whether I knew them or I didn't and say hey I was told you're really good at giving advice do you mind having a, a 15 minute conversation because I'm not sure what to do in this situation or just reaching out for some support if we had a you know needed some support on a particular IT program and we just needed some help and or some kind of career paths, not sure what to do. The culture here really does allow you to have open conversations and really supports growth in a way that I have not seen at another company. I mean, I have had very early on career conversations with people that I was not expecting them to say, well, where do you want to be in three years? Let's get you there. Let's do this. And they said, we don't want to wait for you to be here a year. You've been here for three months. So let's let's talk about where you want to be. And I think just having a culture that supports that and just sort of internal growth and really shows that you can have a career here at this company. You can be supported by the people around you. If you want to try one job and it doesn't work out, let, let's figure out your career path and move you to different programs so you don't get burnt out. I think having a company that supports that is one of the reasons that we're able to grow and do the things that that we do and retain some of our top talent.
1: As we learned earlier, diversity in tech is changing fast. So is the workplace globally. Changes in culture and how and where we work have created new opportunities and also new challenges. I asked Liz and Kristen to tell us about how these changes in culture and the workplace have impacted diversity and their perspectives on pursuing higher positions.
0: I think I've seen a shift with more women just saying, why not? Like, Let's go. But I think with COVID, you know, people really started to prioritize a little bit more of what was important to them and just, I think, stopped being so polite and seeing a place for themselves at the table. Like, there's no reason I can do this too. It doesn't matter if our leadership has historically maybe been less diverse. I have something to say. And I think people are just getting a lot more confident and open with. With pushing forward and being part of the conversation?
2: It is something that I'm looking out at as we think about navigating the new world, right? Navigating this much more mix of hybrid. uh, You know, we've been very fortunate that we've been very open to people working from different locations and everything, but even more so of so much more of the workforce really reevaluating through COVID how much time they want to spend in the office versus out of the office to really give them that opportunity for work-life balance. And I'm hoping that that will encourage more diversity and individuals wanting to be in the workforce as a leader looking at the next generation of leaders What's changed is trying to figure out how we identify that talent in an environment where you're not sitting there side by side and seeing someone's leadership qualities, you know, just under the surface and seeing someone who may be the next set of high potential employees because you're not having those same interactions. And so how do we capture that how do you understand that person's potential without being with them in person and how do we keep doing that so that we can identify and identify that next set of leaders and i think that that weighs on my mind a lot as we navigate this new world
1: so what advice would you give someone pursuing a career in technology
2: well a piece of advice that i often give to individuals who are in the in interested in pursuing a tech field is to not rush into a management role. You know, a lot of times more junior employees are really excited about leveling up and becoming that leader. And you can be a leader, but still stay in the technical realm and not quickly jump out of the technical side. You know, I mentioned the fact that you know, at my stage, it's more about the broad knowledge and the broad experiences that I've had, and I've had them in technical spaces. I would not have had them if I moved into purely management and had stepped out of being close enough to the technology or to the, the you know, kind of the science or the technology in, in my case now. I think that's something that I've been talking about for a while because I watched individuals throughout, you know, been working for almost 30 years. And so in those 30 years, watching people that fizzled out in some ways because they rushed into thinking, I'm ready to lead everything and not getting themselves the experiences that they needed... And those that took the time to get the experiences or were willing to step back and get the experience have really found themselves excelling. And so it's something that I try to encourage people to do because you get a little bit tired of some of the day-to-day and some of the technology grind that you lose sight of it. You know, you want to try something different, but keep it in the technology realm and don't lose that skill and that ability to learn too soon.
1: What about you, Kristen? What kind of advice would you give? I think
2: Liz gave really good advice
0: there. I also think it's diversify your experiences and not be afraid to take a step back to learn something completely new that's going to give you a broader skill set that will one day absolutely pay off maybe trying, you know, another program that's outside of ones that you've tried before or just something entirely different and I think being confident to step back and diversify sort of that experience really is only going to pay off in dividends in the long run. And I think that's tough for people sometimes to maybe take a step what feels like a step back in your career, but I don't think a career is ever going to be a, a perfect ladder. It's more of that jungle gym theory. And I think you know, that's going to show you maybe technology you've never been exposed to. It's also going to create a new network of individuals that you may be able to reach out to to help answer those questions at some point down the road. So I think it's really diversifying your experiences wherever you can, even if that doesn't mean you get a new fancy title, but you're broadening your, yourself.
1: That was Liz Porter, president of the Lytles Health Group, and Kristen Gowers, chief of staff for the Lytles Health Group. If you want to learn more about Lidos approach to diversity, check out lidos.com/diversity. Thanks again for joining this episode of Mindset, a podcast by Litos. If you like this and want to learn even more about the incredible tech sector work going on to push humanity forward, make sure you subscribe to the show. New episodes will be live every two weeks, Also, feel free to rate and review. We're always excited to hear your thoughts on the show. My name is Shante Newby. I'll talk to you next time.